In case five, what I think I'm inviting people to um, ponder is uh, that's that the sort of other half of Shakespeare is the borrower of language. So we think about Shakespeare as an innovator, and we celebrate him for all of his neologisms or coining of new words very often. Um, and we still read Shakespeare to find out what we've lost in the English language. Uh, but I was also interested in remembering the ways in which there was a whole world of words around Shakespeare that was uh, arising, right? So um, it's surprising to my students when I tell them, for instance, that it's very unlikely Shakespeare would have ever opened a dictionary to look anything up in the English language, right? Because we don't have a monolingual English dictionary until 1604. And then what that is is a list of hard words that Richard Caudry thinks are worth noting, um, maybe even expunging. <laughs> so, um, so the first case is a collection uh, around Henry V, and I'll talk in a minute about why Henry V, of um, dictionaries and lexicographic enterprises of the period. Uh, other than the drama and the lex lexicography that's in that case, um, what viewers see right in the middle of it is the, are these two images of the Tower of Babel. And um, one of the things that Shakespeare and his contemporaries were thinking about were stories about the history of language that were also stories about race, nation, and kind. And so um, Richard Verstegen's Restitution of Decayed Intelligence that's um, um, it centered in that case, published in 1605, did tremendous work to reorient the English away from a, what he called the myth of Troy um, and orient the English toward their Germanic roots. He did that by doing a long study of the history of Babel and retelling that, that Tower of Babel story where um, before the curse we were all united in one language and after God's curse we've forever spoken many tongues. Uh, Shakespeare loved staging many tongues on his stage. His contemporaries loved staging linguistic confusion on the stage and understanding. I think it's one of the most fascinating things about Shakespeare's era, both Shakespeare and his contemporaries, I think were staging language lessons for their audiences. It wasn't just that people liked coming to the theater to listen to funny accents of foreigners. They were learning things as they did. Um, and also learning something about the long history of the relationship between language and race and nation. So um, we have two really beautiful images there, both the frontispiece of, of um, Richard Verstegen's Tower of Babel and then Dodsley's um, uh, interactive um, Tower of Babel where there are flaps facing down, the, the tower is um, uncursed. You pull up the flaps and the tower is cursed. It's a really wonderful thought project um, to imagine a reader being on both sides of the Tower of Babel that way.